The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm going to grab my, I'm gonna grab my classic Greek dictionary. Oh, we're going to use that today? Oh, you're using it as a mic stand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you're just I like, thought I was, I was like, oh, oh, I'm not ready for this podcast. You're just like, all. oh, no. <laughs> Tohu wa bohu. <laughs> That's my classical Hebrew dictionary. Welcome to The Crunch, the only podcast that doesn't live in the clown world. It's your boy, Ethan. And I'm Patrick. We do live in it, but I don't want to inhabit it. If that we makes we sense. are in it, but not of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> in the clown world, but not of the clown world. It's it's kind of the it's kind of just a topsy turvy mess. When I was young, I used yeah. to I used to, I remember standing in front of my house, looking up in the sky, beautiful blue Florida sky with an American flag, and I'm in the I wave it in my my front yard. I'm like, wow, how how crazy it is. There's so many countries in the world, and there's so many times in the world that I could have been born. But how lucky am I to live in the best country? in the world and here i am about 15 years later and i'm just like (laughs) what an idiot uh anyway (laughs) america's fine (laughs) america is good yeah yeah america's i mean we're doing fine we're not doing bad we're not doing bad i mean all things considered in terms of in terms of empires in terms of global empires i think we're by far the best at hiding the fact that we're a global empire we're by far the best at hiding the fact that we're a global <laughs> empire. We're also by far the best at hiding the fact that we're on a global empire on the tail end of its <laughs> empiricism. Yeah. The oh, I was reading. I'm I'm very close to being done with uh, why liberalism failed by Patrick Deneen. Mm. I've been reading it for for quite a while. It's very dense. It's a lot more dense than a lot of other political philosophy books. It is not a child's book. Not at all. No. Um. It just uses a lot of big words that I don't know uh, often, and like I have what? to look them up. Uh, verisimilitudinous? Uh, verisimilitude? Verisimilitudinous. But verisimilitude not, not... just means like it's similar. Yeah. Yeah. But instead of saying similarity, yeah. he says verisimilitudinous. I would dunk on him, but Phoebe tells me that I do that kind of stuff all the time. She'll just yeah. say the word. I think she did this on the podcast. I'll say a word and she'll just go define. <laughs> <laughs> just marital shorthand. You know what I mean? Like that's she used to be like, what does that word mean? And I'll be like, what? She's like that word. And then I'll, and then I just got to the point where I'll use a word. She'll say define. and I know exactly what she's talking. About. Yes. That's funny. But he talks about, he quotes a book uh, and he, it's from some other author and I don't want to give this author any pub at all. Cause I think this is the craziest thing that I've ever heard of. He's talking about how liberalism, the end game of liberalism is basically what has happened is the whole point originally was to dethrone the aristocracy, mm-hmm. right? And create a more egalitarian way of, of rule. Wait, to so, overthrow the aristocracy and then and create a oh, aristocracy where me and my buddies are the aristocracy, right? It's exactly right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's every everybody who's ever overthrown an aristocracy is just <laughs> It's just been like guys hey, I have a great idea like like Les Mis has this like people. 
Les Mis has this like this this romantic idea of a bunch of college students in a coffee shop, like mm-hmm. empty chairs and empty tables. You know, this is where we we planned a better world. But it's really just like a bunch of guys who own tea businesses getting <laughs> together. Like, man, it really sucks that we can't have noble noble titles and powdered wigs. And they're like, what if we got guns and then got powdered wigs? Revolution, <laughs> baby. His whole is very a very good argument that liberalism basically says the the people who are in charge, the people whose dads are in charge, basically. Like <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're in a noble family or if you're born into the aristocratic uh, regime or class or whatever, mm-hmm. then it's so arbitrary. Like you you haven't done anything to earn that position. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, say that the people who are industrious and rational are going to be the ones that are in charge, which is equally as arbitrary, right? Like yes. not everybody is super industrious. Not everybody is super economically prosperous. So they just took one arbitrary signifier of worthiness to rule and replaced it with another signifier of worthiness to rule and just flipped them. And so this, uh, he quotes from this book, which is a modern political philosophy book, talking about how once you do that, you're, you're just stratifying uh, social uh, society and you've effectively raised the bar for everybody, like doing it means that material wealth for everyone increases. So you have the English laborer in the 18th century or the 19th century living better than the old French Kings or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, he has more stuff and he has nicer things. Um, So his quality of life has improved over that of the old aristocracy. But the difference between the English laborer in the factory and the guy who owns the factory is way bigger than the French King and the French peasant basically. Mm -hmm. So this guy is talking about how the top 15 to 20% he thinks should just form their own nation basically <laughs> and, and just live on their own. And then the rest of us, he suggests the forming a government where you just create a bunch of dirt, cheap housing and give everyone free internet and give them a uh, subpar government uh, services and like minimal job creation. And he's like, that'll be enough for the other 80% because they won't need anything. Cause they'll just be, you know, living in their cheap homes and watching their cheap entertainment and working at their sustainable jobs. And, uh, and that's what this is like his, his is an unironic like policy initiative that this guy thinks should happen at some point. Oh gosh. Yeah. That sounds bad. It sounds, it sounds awful, but that's what the, that's what like, I mean, if you just talk about America, it's like, okay, we're not really that far away from that. You know, people, people work at jobs where they don't make a ton of money because wages are restricted and they go back to their cheap houses and they pay for their free, their internet. And there's no reason for anyone to change anything because we we're, our material standard of wealth is so high compared to everywhere else in the world. Like the cheapest or the poorest person in America is still richer than the poorest person in, or the poorest person somewhere else. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah. Like there's still so much opportunity and so much wealth just floating around mm-hmm. because we're advanced liberals yeah like a homeless person a homeless person in melbourne florida can go into a library Mm -hmm. and like use the bathroom right and be in air conditioning sure yeah they could they could take whatever money they have left over that day and go get uh, a burger king you know like if you if you if you're you're homeless in in haiti there's no burger kings no libraries Sleep on the ground in certain parts of Haiti. I think Port-au-Prince might. I'm sure. Do you yeah. think Port-au-Prince has a Burger King? Oh, I don't know. 
<laughs> that's a that's a title from three years ago. Mm-hmm. You think Port au Prince has a Burger King? <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no idea. That's a good question. It's probably Bur- Burger Prince down there. My default is to assume that even poorer countries, their metropolitan areas, at least look relatively like American cities. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, anyway. I tell me something. Tell me something good. I was at Target yesterday. Good, 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 good. So talk about stratification of wealth. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and you remember that word that you hate from the beginning of the pandemic? Social distancing? Yeah, I saw the best usage of social distancing. You said we're living in a clown world. It's just yeah. if you say social distancing, you sound very responsible, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh so the sign at Target <laughs> said uh line forms here please keep an appropriate social distance uh and i looked at it and i said that word social doesn't need to be there (laughs) 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 Uh, please keep it a please keep a safe social no just please keep a safe distance and i was i looked at phoebe and i was like safe social distance as opposed to what a safe emotional distance <laughs> don't An get too attached distance. don't get too attached to the person in front of you they'll leave you and break your heart <laughs> there is one sign at the airport in we flew into spokane washington for the honeymoon there is one that says uh, masks are required in and on the airport <laughs> Which I know that they meant, like, if you're anywhere on the grounds of the airport, uh-huh. you know, outside, like, they just want to make it super clear. But what they made it sound like is there's a bunch of people on the roofs that are not, <laughs> they're not wearing their masks. I was, <laughs> picturing, like, I was picturing, like, a wide shot, and, like, there's the airport, and there's just a giant mask on the top of the airport. <laughs> mask is required on the airport. On a the plane airport. catches it, and all of a sudden, the FBI just swarmed the airport with a bunch of guns, like, put your mask back on. Yeah, that, I, mean, I have never taken my mask off, so I'm. I figure that's what happens when you take this your whole mask. time. We've been podcasting with masks. Pod mask. Welcome to the mask cast. It's your boy. What else is going on? It's been only two days since we've spoken. That's true. We did the we did the Bible cast on Saturday. That was a freaking good Bible cast. We did indeed. And if you if you haven't subscribed to our Patreon at five dollars or more a month, you are missing out because. You could be getting the pot, the Bible cast. We got two Bible cast episodes already. One more in the pipeline. We've been doing it every other week. It's consistent. I know you're all out there like Patrick and Ethan. They're not gonna. They're gonna do it. Then they're gonna stop. No. No, we're doing this it. This is this is going down. It's. Awesome. I bought a textbook. I know. I'm in. We want. We want to get. I, I'm. I'm honestly thinking like we should get. We should get goals back in the game. All right. So it's like if we get a cert, if we make a certain amount of money on Patreon, we'll do them weekly. Oh boy, that that amount would probably have to be high. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably have to be very high. Probably I don't know if high. I can commit to that. <laughs> uh, oh, what was I thinking? No, it's gone. No, it's there's Bible nothing. Cast, Patreon, Bible Cast. I love Bible Cast. I love Patreon. <laughs> Just uh, really excited about it all. We should be more clear about our Patreon tiers. I think I was thinking about this a while back. I think we should be more clear about what our Patreon tiers actually are. Three dollars mm-hmm. a month. Is like the basic level. You get access mm-hmm. to Facebook, access to the Facebook, the whole thing. Uh, we'll give you access to Mark Zuckerberg's free platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get access to our Facebook group, uh, the Patreon Facebook group, and then uh, five dollars a month or more, you get access to the Biblecast, and then ten dollars a month or more is just because you like us. Ten dollars a month or more, I'll give you Patrick's phone number. All you gotta do is message me. 
No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All you got to do is text Ethan on his phone to Not ask him though, for my number. Give him, give him my work phone. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I do remember what I was going to say. Have you set up that alternate email for the Patreon yet? So that I, I, have, I haven't. I haven't. No. Okay. This is urgent. Okay. Well, it's not urgent, but but it's. Important. I just want to be able to interact with the fans. I gotta, I gotta write it down. Yeah, could you write it down real quick? Yeah, sure thing. I'm just doing a little admin work on the remind, pod. Remind me to make a Patreon email for Ethan in four hours. Remind me to Google Burger King Port au Prince <laughs> in two hours. Um, I'm ready to just hop into this topic. How do yeah, you feel? I am too. Teach me, Senpai. I'm, I'm in. Okay, okay, okay. So I've been reading this. Yes. I've been reading this book that Ethan got me for my for my Ooh. groomsman gift. It's very exciting. I put in the front cover, uh, Patrick Nevy. I put my phone number, so I'm not going to read that part. And yeah. then I put gift from <laughs> Ethan. St- yeah, <laughs> almost got me. Uh, gift from Ethan Stevie on his wedding, 8-7-2021. So I'll always remember. Nice. I'll always remember that this was the book that you got me. So when it inevitably radicalizes me uh-huh we can always trace it back to me we'll trace it back to ethan so or when it inevitably ends up at a in some church basement because you've donated all of your books <laughs> someone will pick it up and be like who what who wedding is, is this who's pat who's ethan but i even made a custom bookmark for the book it's oh there's a little chart that he there's something he, he doesn't he doesn't have a chart in the book but he lays mm-hmm. out a, a, a spectrum an okay. institutional spectrum as we all oh. know institutions are a spectrum um (laughs) and i i kind of took what there's only two institutions there's only two institutions (laughs) (laughs) um where did you froze are you unfrozen i lost him this is awful i lost my boy ethan no text ethan you froze I don't know what happened. That's okay. You're still on the you're still on the hangout. It's good. Well, now you got twice as much of me and half as much of you. I don't know why I'm still in it though. That's weird. Anyway, so strange. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. I've been reading I've been reading this book and there's a lot yes. of good things. There's good. also some bad things. Good. There's a there's a really funny part where he's like, for instance, in the Middle Ages when they invented purgatory, and I'm like, dude. <laughs> okay. All right. This dude was a priest and he left. Yeah, the I know. So it's like it just proves how bad seminary formation was in the It's century. true. Um can you tell people what this book is and who's it, who it's by? And okay, it's so about? the book is called Deschooling Society, and it's by Ivan Illich. And Ivan Illich was a priest, uh, and he died mm-hmm. not being an active priest. He died. Not uh, he was priest. a he was an educator in Latin America, and he wrote. He spent his he spent his life learning how to educate people. I guess. And this book is about his philo- It's a collection of essays and, and lectures that he gave. Uh, critiquing school as an institution, which is it's crazy. As you, as we all know on this podcast, educational theory is very interesting. It me. is, it is very interesting, and it backs up some of what I talked about on an episode a couple of weeks back about like school as it exists should not. We should not do Catholic school yeah. as it exists, and I think. Right, right. Yeah, I think that remains true. Reading this book, he he has he has some really good points about. Um, he has some really good points about how school as an institution teaches you to not to need it, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of mm-hmm. things that exist like that, like CCD at the parish level. School okay. teaches you. School teaches you to need it, and CCD teaches you to need it as well. I think, uh, I think we were like, "Oh, great, let's do exactly what school does, but for the church." I was, um, mm-hmm. what, <laughs> what school does is it? Is it uh, he talks about he talks. This is, this is, this is tough. I, I didn't think I was going to actually explain the book, but um, one of oh, the you were just going to hop in without saying anything. I was going to. I book? was going to hop in. It's it's a t- it's tangential from the book. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, it's sorry, all good. Sorry, sorry. We don't have no, to talk no, about it's okay. This. I want to talk about it because he mentions. Yeah. Uh, I gotta get it. It's so good. He mentions that the poor are hurt the most by schooling. Which, duh. Hmm. Uh, if anyone's gonna get hurt, mm-hmm. it's the poor. It's the poor. It's the we poor. do tend. We do tend <laughs> to do it to them. You know. And he says yeah. because the reason that the poor are hurt is because school is so expensive. The institution of school is so expensive, mm-hmm. and it's considered mm-hmm. so necessary. That it's placed out mm-hmm. of the reach of a lot of poor people. And so they go, oh, no, the only way I can learn is so expensive. It actually, like, it, it neuters them. It makes them, it, it impotent, right. it, like, it infantilizes them. That's what it is. It makes there them so yeah. they can't 
they can't learn on their own. And it also takes the the onus of education off of the family, off of the parent, and it subsumes it into the state, which I think is another really big problem that we don't really consider. Yeah. And mm-hmm. parents are responsible for the education of their children. And it's okay to delegate that responsibility to an institution. That's absolutely fine. But the but you also have to remember that it is a delegation, exactly. right? Like you, you do have the primary yeah. responsibility. And if you send your kids to school, you are choosing to relinquish that responsibility and give it yeah, to someone else. Which means if they form right? your it's child... Not, it's not the teacher's responsibility. And a delegation here. works like this. If a bishop delegates a priest to confirm someone, to give, to give the sacrament of confirmation, and they don't say, yeah. receive PCL with the Holy Spirit, so they don't actually confirm the person, that's the bishop's fault. Mm-hmm. The bishop has the ultimate responsibility to fix that. You know, and so yeah. like parents have the ultimate responsibility, yeah. to fix, and that's just that's just the reality. You're responsible for everything that happens to your child, right? Like you have to, you have to, you know, not like directly responsible, but you have to, you have to deal with everything mm-hmm. that happens to your child. Thought in another way, if the president delegates someone to be an ambassador to another country, and that ambassador goes there and takes a crap on the desk of the other president, <laughs> then it's not the delegate's fault; it's the president's fault for picking that delegate. Exactly. Said, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it ultimately comes back to the to the guy who sure. delegated it. Like even though that guy might get fired for taking the crap, and on rightly the desk, so, and rightly so, it's not his responsibility to do good foreign yeah. policy. And. You know? It, it is insofar as it's his sure. role, but you know what I'm saying. But then w- when applying that to my job, and I had a discussion with my with my team about this, is like uh, I th- I was I was having this crisis at Holy Spirit because one of the one of the middle the middle school coordinator, one of the three that we had over the course of our time there, pointed out, oh, these kids don't know the Ten Commandments. They don't know they don't they don't have the Beatitudes memorized. They don't know who Moses Ugh. was and all this stuff. Like we have to teach them this. And I was like, I was like freaking out because I, and they were like, Patrick, you're not, your curriculum is not teaching them this. So like, you have to change it. We have to like give them tests and stuff. And so there was like a couple of weeks where like we gave them tests from the We Believe book and they had to like fill them out. And I was like, this is ridiculous. This is awful. And it's, I know, and it's like we have vocab words, liturgy of the word and Paschal mystery is a vocab word. And you have to, I know. And it's like, and it's crazy because I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh no, they're right. When are we supposed to teach them this? And it wasn't really until mm-hmm. your wedding that it kind of clicked for me because I saw Josh take oh, John wow. Paul up to the... John Paul was running around the church after the wedding and he runs mm-hmm. up to the St. Mm-hmm. Michael statue. Josh picks him up, level to level with the statue, starts pointing and explaining who St. Michael is to his two-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's where they learn who St. Michael is. Yeah. Yeah. Not me. Right. <laughs> They'll pick yeah. it up yeah. over time. <laughs> You know, but it's like, that's where they learn. Mm-hmm. They, they first, like they, they, they are given a curiosity and it reminded me of, uh, of a conversation I had with my team about, about a parent who, a survey, they had a, they had a survey about the new, the new faith formation model we have at our parish. And they were upset mm-hmm. because we have a model where they meet once a month and the parents have like a small group session and then they go do sessions on their own at home on their own time. So we actually do yeah. only homeschooling essentially with one meeting a month it's great nice. one parent nice. was like this is awful i it's your job to make sure my kid knows what he needs to know i drop him off like you shouldn't make me sit through this and i was like that's great oh, but that's such a that's such damn. like an attitude you know of like this is not my yeah. responsibility and that's the kind of attitude so, that ccd it's like why are you why are you bringing them if you don't think it's important but that's the oh, kind yeah. of that's the kind of attitude that's inherent in so it's like we're yeah. going to take care of this for you so that's that's what I have an illogist mm-hmm. point is with de-schooling society about, you know, yeah. this is uh, this is a new way to look at the world, right? This is different. Mm-hmm. Now, 
what I want to talk about is yes. very... Thank you for explaining that. I thought that was very good. Very good. Thing. It's very, very nitpicky. But on page 51, for those of you who are reading along at home... I expect nothing less from you. Uh, he talks about, as I adjust my glasses very pretentiously... Um, mm-hmm. He talks about how uh, he compares the... Okay, he can, okay. So uh, the way of looking at school, like the current the current paradigm of looking at school, mm-hmm. is the job of school is to make sure your kid learns. His yes. point is, it is the job of the family to educate their kids. I don't know if that's explicitly his point, but he wants to kind of like he wants to he wants to kind of like shape a new way of looking at school. That's what he says here at the end of his okay. at the end of, of his chapter three. He talks about how. Galileo and Copernicus were able to look at a diff were able to find a new way of looking at the universe whereas like people were mm-hmm. like oh the world is flat which they didn't really all think that because Dante wrote a book about how the world was round in like the 1300s but anyway um, this is kind of a sticking point for me <laughs> but mm-hmm. there's there was this idea of how the world worked and like this is this is what it looks like and then they challenged that notion and so he uses that as an example of what we should do with schooling he says, uh, as long as we are not aware of the way school shapes us, etc., we cannot break the spell of this world and shape a new way of looking at the world. We can't shape a new world, essentially is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And I bristled. Mm-hmm. And I was oh, like, yeah. that's not the point. You missed mm-hmm. it. And I think mm-hmm. this, I think it's a, a fundamental flaw. In the, I think this is a fundamental flaw that may shape his solutions in the future. And I discovered... That I, I, I discovered, I, I dug through the books and I, I found out, I was like, oh, this is why, this is why even though a lot of my conservative friends would call me liberal, I just can't get on board with the liberal project. And it's because yep. of this idea of shaping a new world. Galileo okay. and Copernicus didn't shape a new world. No. No. What did they do, Ethan? They were uncovering truth. Exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing is like Galileo and Copernicus are basically canonized saints of the liberal project, right? It's like they they challenged yes. the established order and they were right. <clears throat> they challenged the Catholic Church. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's like that's that's what they that, that that's the idea of what they did. That's the, kind of the myth of Galileo and Copernicus. Like they challenged mm-hmm. the established order mm-hmm. and they they broke through and so like and that's also the myth of you know the 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 glorious revolution in England. They challenged the established order mm-hmm. and they found a better way to do things. It's the myth of our founding in, itself. It's like they challenged the established order and they found a new way of doing things. And mm-hmm. so the 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 mm-hmm. liberal solution, the left of the left of center solution to the injustices and the problems that we have in this world is just more liberalism of like finding a better way to do yes. things and like mathematically proving it. Mm-hmm. And it's what we're talking about on the Bible cast. Yes. Building that tower, the Tower of mm-hmm. Babel, being like, oh, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna make a name for ourselves and we're gonna we're gonna get rid of poverty and we're gonna do all these things. But what we should be doing is we should be instead of trying to like mathematically figure out the best way and keep looking at our own brains and going, What do we do? We have to like uncover the best mm-hmm. way to do things. When looking mm-hmm. for a just world, we shouldn't try to figure out what's going, what's the best way to do it. And we shouldn't like have debates, but we should, we should have debates that aren't trying to like, well, if we do this, we'll do this. We should look back because the perfect world already existed. 
Yeah, we, yeah, lost we did. It. After, uh, 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 in well, yeah, medieval Christian Europe is the best. I'm just kidding. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was gonna say after Ronald. Yeah, Reagan, <laughs> <the office. laughs> The perfect world existed after World War II, man. It was great, you know? That whole... It was awesome. Uh, um, I was joking, everyone. That was a joke. I was making a joke this about... This is satire. Reagan. Yes. I love this. The solution has to be... In the current system, the only solution, the only way forward is more liberalism like the that's what liberalism has created for itself that's how the people who are its architects and its continual supporters stay in power um the one of the fundamental tenets of liberalism is that uh the individual should have as much autonomy as they can and that's the whole kind of like returning man to his his original state you know the state of nature where you are untethered to any kind of social responsibilities or or class responsibilities like the whole goal is to return man this is like jean jacques rousseau um is like and i think hobbes mm-hmm. uh and maybe maybe mm-hmm. one other guy um let's throw john stewart or, or john well. Locke. He, let's get all the englishmen in john there. Locke. right okay so this is what all these guys were talking about is jean jacques rousseau was french removing yourself from all these these things from economic ties from social ties from cultural ties religious ties ethnic ties family bonds so that you can just return to how man was in the wilderness, right? Which was just this in, in uh, a lot of these guys' minds, like this free, a perfect, you know, way of being that we've lost when we're, now we have all these, these uh, things that are foisted upon us when we're <laughs> born. Um, and the, the irony of it is, is when you give people more autonomy and you and you lose the formation of all of these familial ties and social ties and cultural ties and religious ties. Like those things are not without value. We obviously know this, but speaking, let's say I was just talking to someone who didn't think the way that we thought. Um, these things actually help you learn what's right and what's wrong. Like if I didn't have any kind of uh, social ties, the very basic example, right? Like if my mom never taught me how to safely cross the street, then... I would have no formation in understanding how to cross the street. If I was a completely autonomous person, I would, I would run wherever I wanted and not obey any signs <laughs> uh, or at all. And then I would get struck by a vehicle and I would be dead. And that would be bad. How to do taxes in school. Yeah. Right. And so the, the problem is, is that when you give someone more autonomy, then all of a sudden you have to uh, create boundaries which is interesting, right? And this is the the problem of liberalism, right? Is that you want this person to be as free as they possibly can from all of these things. And yet, if you do that, then you create people who do things that are mm-hmm. wrong and do things that are harmful and do things that are damaging. And so you have to uh, give someone power to regulate that. And that someone happens to be the state. And so you have this like, these two kind of sides that just always are increasing each other. You know, like um, it's it's not, uh, it shouldn't surprise us that we have all of this push for, um, and I, I, I'm not commenting on the, the goodness or badness of this thing, but right now, like race and, and gender are these big things. And so you see people wanting to be more free in how they identify themselves with regards to race and gender. And you also see as people identify themselves more and more loosely and more and more freely and not tied to any kind of specific reality, you know, um, white people claiming that they're black, 
men claiming to be women, all these things, you 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 get the this former autonomy, obviously but being the same time. The latter. Yeah. Obviously, yes. It's yeah, happened. There's documentary about uh, it. There is. Uh, along with that, you see also all of these things beginning to be enshrined in law, right? These protections that didn't used to be there. So there's this rise in the power of the state to dictate, you know, how free you can be <laughs> and how how some people are not allowed to tell other people how free they, they can be. This <laughs> yeah. is very interesting. Um, but that's what liberalism does. And so when we're talking about this idea of, of schooling, right, the only solution to the fact that our kids aren't being educated because of this, this water that we're drinking in this world that we're living in is more, more school. Schooling. Exactly. That's his exact point. He's like the only, the only yes. solution to the problems with school is more school. And the only solution to the problems with liberalism is just more liberalism in our minds because we just, mm-hmm. we, we're already starting from a place of, I accept that the liberal project was good and it was best mm-hmm. and it was the best thing. And it's, it's exactly mm-hmm. representative of, it's not, a, it's not a coincidence. Like you said, Rousseau and Hobbes, it both the liberal project starts with two conflicting, uh, Edenic myths of this is how man was. It, he was, he was, he was mm-hmm. evil completely abhorrent uh and that's why we need law versus Mm -hmm. man was just like hedonistic and yeah you know carefree but we decided to create society anyway so that sucked right and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those are kind of two conflicting ideals of like you could say that you know there's a uh i don't know you could put those on a left right paradigm if you wanted to you could i don't know which is which but there's a side that, you know, is very protective, automatically assumes that people are bad and evil and, and need to be, you need to defend yourself against them. And there's another side that assumes, you know, people are, people should be given as much access to whatever they deem to be their own personal choice, right? Like that's a more Rousseau idea. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's interesting. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm stealing all of this from the liberalism. I need to read that book. It's, 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 it is, it's fascinating. I've learned so much. The new polity just needs to come on the podcast. I hung out with them once and they absolutely pilled me. And now I'm here and like, (laughs) and I just never heard from them again. I was like, yes. So the, uh, so we're swimming in these waters of just liberalism all the time. Like no matter if you're, you're Republican, Democrat, left or right, you're a liberal because uh, Republicans are just economic liberals and uh, Democrats are just progressive. Uh, conservatives liberals. are just less like liberal not. than liberals. Yeah. Right. Because what, what conservatives emphasize is, is the, the aspect of liberalism that man's nature, or not man's nature, but like nature of how things are can be conquered by industry and economics. <laughs> like we, we have this ability to, uh, I actually don't have to be, restrict the amount of food that I grow, um, by the nat- by nature and the weather and, and God's providence, right? I actually can create systems that reap as much as I possibly want. And I can buy up as much land as I possibly want so that I can be so productive, way more productive than, in, than any, anyone else who's not liberal because I, I, I exploit, I mean, labor, you yeah, know, what we've basically. all read the grapes of wrath. And you should, you should actually read yeah, the grapes of wrath. It's very good. I, I want to. So that's the, what you'd say is like, are the conservatives these days is like people who believe that we can use our our rationality and our intellect and our economic will to 
be as productive as we possibly can be. And like, that's the end of, of what a person is, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, make something of yourself, right? That's liberal. That's that life didn't used to be that way. It used to be, well, we're just going to make as much as we need. <laughs> and then we're just going to chill and, and then we're going to go to mass. And then, yeah, then we're going to, we're going to take a nap. And then on the other side, right? This progressive liberalism is the, is what we were talking about earlier that, um, man's nature in and of itself, like I get to conquer my own nature and I get to decide how it is and how it mm-hmm. isn't. Um, and so you get a lot of, a lot of, uh, positive things come out of that progressive movement. A lot of positive things came out of the, the, the economic movement as well. You know, like lots of good came out of both of these things, way more food being produced, way more, uh, material things available for more people all around way more the globe, carbon, in you know, the air. way more carbon <laughs> in the air. And on the progressive side, you have things like women's voting rights. Yeah. You know, you have things like uh, uh, the end of slavery, kind of in a roundabout sure, yeah. way. You know, like it's it sucks because it the one side started it, and then the other side kind of like ended it. But they're both kind of of the same school. It's the know? Spider-Man meme. They're just it, pointing at each other. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's one like, thing that like I one of my one of my one of my hesitations is that someone will stumble across this podcast and be like these guys are like they're they're crazy do we sound crazy crazy. right now because i mean no one because we're advocating for the abolition of school (laughs) yeah no that sounds crazy (laughs) it sounds crazy and we're also saying everyone's liberal and everyone's wrong which is like crazy too it does. It all and sounds kind of nuts. Yeah. What we're saying is like, oh, the the liberal project, which has been going on mm-hmm. for, you know, three hundred years, is mm-hmm. was was bad. Was a bad idea. It was a uh, and so what it could yeah. sound like is it could just sound. But the thing is that the, the temptation is, oh, we just have to have mm-hmm. another revolution. But that's also a liberal idea. <laughs> that's also is, like let's right? let's tear down the the mm-hmm. over the old structure and let's build a new one in our own image like that's that's also a liberal idea and that's something that that's something that w- let us make a name exactly. for ourselves that that was something listen, listen to, to the, the bible cast. new episodes nah. <laughs> <laughs> that's something that i think was very helpful in my meeting with the guys from new polity that they pointed out mm-hmm. uh and then i had a conversation with another friend about was that like it's important to build on the structures that exist you might have mm-hmm. to you might have to like change the foundation you might have to like or sorry uh you might have to mend the foundation but you you can't you can't just do an insurrection you know we we're, we're right. very, which obviously we've proven we can't do one americans are very bad we had, uh, we, we had a really bad a really insurrection. bad insurrection could you imagine <laughs> george washington Bust into Buckingham Palace. Hey guys, what's up? Make sure to hey like guys, and subscribe. I'm gonna go sit on King George's desk and I'm gonna drink his last soda. Uh, by the way, there's my buddy. He's shirtless and he's wearing a yak helmet. This is great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is so fun. Everybody, look how much fun I'm having. I'm George Washington. I'm George Washington. And then they arrest him, and he's like, "I changed history." <laughs> and then nothing. They arrest him, and they're like, "We did, we did great." You know, I love, I really love the soldiers. The soldiers are amazing. The British soldiers, they protect <laughs> our country. <laughs> Uh, they deserve to be mocked. Um, anyway, so <laughs> publicly mocked. Uh, the yeah. big, pro- the biggest problem with liberalism is it did away with the stocks. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the, yeah, 
I I want just put just put someone in the town square and let me throw some food at <laughs> you know like that's, that's what we used to do. That's a good way for everyone to get their energy out <laughs> about something. Like the guy is thoroughly reprimanded for doing the wrong thing. Everyone else gets to throw food at him they and they feel time. good. And then and then everyone goes home. Like then and he's he absolved. It's like oh I threw too. fruit at you, but like he yeah, gets to keep good. the you fruit. Know, too. Yeah, yeah, obviously that's the nice. Yeah, we're we're forgetting that aspect of it. And not not like not saying like oh everything that liberalism did was bad i think that's something else that we have to we have to deal with it's like a lot of the things that liberalism fixed were caused by liberalism though you know mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Slavery, slavery was caused a by preeminent liberalism. example it's not yeah. yes it's like it slavery was in the bible you're right but it really wasn't uh the 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 north the north atlantic slave trade uh, was not in the mm. Bible. <laughs> that was uh, no. that was human injustice on an international scale. Like that was crazy. Yes. Um, in terms yes. of scope, and so like, there's literally there are. I don't remember who it is. I think it's John Stuart Mill that advocated for. Um, you have to make everyone as productive as possible, and if there are peoples and tribes and civilizations that cannot be productive then you actually ought to enslave them in order to make them more productive um, because otherwise they're not going to contribute as much as they possibly could like he just unironically advocated for the enslavement of peoples if they were were unable to economically produce what they that sounds like something someone would come up with while sitting on a very comfy chair <laughs> <laughs> you know it's true these these yeah. these these ideas that liberalism engenders uh, mm-hmm. They don't. They don't hold up to practice. No, it's just not Clearly. real. It's an idea. A lot of a lot of the things that we look back on is like I can't believe people used to think that were mm-hmm. considered incredibly, you know, uh, historic, uh, historically significant, incredibly like uh, ingenious ideas of like, oh yes, like it's actually good. Uh, it's good for. Uh, African people to be enslaved. It's actually better for them because uh, being enslaved mm-hmm. here is better than, you know, being free back in Africa, which is like, which is why you didn't say right. a poor person in America is better than a rich person in Uganda. That's not true. You know, it's just not it's true. Not true. Um, yeah. yeah. That's why you said you, that's why you compared the poorest to the poorest, which is a better comparison uh, for yes, quality absolutely. of life. But like, yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's just, that's, that's the kind of thing that intellectuals of the liberal age put forth and it was it wasn't it wasn't Mm -hmm. because and those ideas didn't take hold because they were because people those ideas didn't take hold because people were racist it took hold because people wanted money yeah yes yeah but in their words they wanted money but they wanted they wanted to create the most productive society yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they saw that as being the I mean, let's just give it a fair shake, right? Like they saw that as being the highest end because even it if was some the people most industrious, quali- like you said, it's, it was it fit the arbitrary. Right. Yeah. Even if people have a worse quality of life in the short term, if we make everybody as productive as they can be, the quality of life—I mean, the uh, a rising tide raises all the boats. You know, mm-hmm. kind of an idea. Like that's that's what they were going for, and so it's like we're willing to make these sacrifices on your behalf. Rather, we're, yeah, we're willing to choose that you are going to make these sacrifices so that everyone will have a have 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 shoes mm-hmm. you know and which is not the christian idea of the common good no and i i believe that some people can in good faith defend that i believe that they're wrong 
I, I don't think that it's worth having shoes to <laughs> enslave an entire continent. Hot take. That's, that's my Which opinion. is something that and I think, is... And I think most people will... Ag- most people will agree with that. I'd like to point that out way. that you're not talking about something that happened in the past. You're talking about something that happens, is now. <laughs> happens currently. I, I think I think I think you're absolutely right. It's it's this idea of the common good versus the greater good. People misuse these terms mm-hmm. often. They they switch them around. The greater good. Greater the greater good. good is I have a wife and she is the greatest good I am ever <laughs> going to get. Sure. Right, it's like okay that um, that usage was incorrect. <laughs> it's not. It was not for the greater good. It was for the common good. Uh, sacrificing mm-hmm. your evening out with your husband is actually worth saving the world. It's better for you specifically, even though you're short-sighted mm-hmm. and selfish. It's actually better for you to sacrifice a want for the need of the people, and yes, that's the common good. The common good is actually good for everyone, even if in the short term it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it. The greater good mm-hmm. is this is good. This is a this is the uh, this is what causes the most happiness and the least unhappiness, regardless of what you mm-hmm. specifically think about it. Which is that's John Stuart Mill. That's the greater. That's the greatest happiness principle. Yeah, yeah. So because it's it's based on whoever is writing mm-hmm. about it. Whoever is in charge gets. Yeah, no, no, no. What he says is whoever is capable of experiencing. If you're trying to decide between two things, Mm -hmm. whoever is capable of experiencing both things. So because he brings up like, well, if you should if you choose between what gives you the uh, you got to choose what gives you the greatest pleasure. So if you're choosing between like eating a hamburger, he obviously didn't say that. But if you're choosing between like eating a bunch of slop and reading uh, reading the Iliad in the original Greek, uh, who knows? Who knows which is the best because the common person can't choose between those two because he doesn't know the experience of the pleasure of both of those things. So if you can do both of those mm-hmm. things, i.e. if you are John Stuart Mill, John you Stuart get to Mill. decide what people should be doing all the time. Isn't that funny? Yes. It's a really good That's old coinky dink. It's like when Plato was like, you know who should be in charge? Philosophers. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of good things to say about Plato, but that one's was like, oh, that was kind of funny. Yeah. The... Hmm. I'm thinking that's okay. It's hard to do a podcast because you have to be producing content out of your mouth the whole time. And these no, are you like, can, you, do you edit out the pauses? Eh, sometimes depends on how big the I usually are. like scan and look for the pauses. I also yeah. know what shape I make when I say the word, um, it looks like a little fish. It goes, um, okay. see, it did it. <laughs> you just, you're making um, the shape right now. I know what shape it makes when you laugh. Ha, ha, that one's pretty ha, easy to ha. find. It's very stick. It's yeah. very sharp. Very, very loud. I want to talk about school still. Speaking of fish, let's talk about school. Okay. There you go. Because we have a problem. We've laid out the problem, right? The problem is that we're in this milieu. Oh, and I thought the problem was that we wanted to say solve everything by finding by figuring out what's good on our own instead of finding out what is good. You know what I mean? But discovering the underlying mm. truth. Yes. Well, we need to discover truth, but we we have this problem where on one hand, we need to discover truth and let that be the the defining uh force of how we proceed. But on the other hand, we've, we have the fact that we, we can't just tear things down 
we have to build upon foundations that are founded on untruth. And Illich disagrees. He says he says burn it to the ground. He says yeah. he says tear it down. Right. But which I I'm inclined to believe Illich up to a point. But it's like if you leave the priesthood, I don't know how much <laughs> I trust you. I think he has a lot of really good and important things to say. He but. also distrusts the Catholic Church as an institution. He he like is basically like the Catholic Church is an institution as well, and all institutions are bad. Right. Well, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. He's sorry. He says institutions that you institutions that institutions that say you need this institution institutions that Ivan Illich is not in charge of are bad. <laughs> Every philosopher does that. It's, it's like I should be in charge so that you know. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be in charge. I'm trying to make so a podcast we, so I can so make So what do point. we do with what do we with schools? Catholic schools, public schools is just the response to say, all right, everybody homeschool, we're not going to really do anything to institutional schools and we're just kind of kind of let the the fruit of homeschooling bear itself I haven't in the world. I've gotten that part of the book yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think uh I mean, he, I, I did, I did put, I did have a little like index. I have a little like make do it yourself index at the front of the book. And one of, uh, one of the, the lessons, one of the things I did is like, uh, disestablishing school in practice. And so I'm writing places where he says like, well, this is actually how a disestablished school system would work. And I only have two examples. <laughs> it's a lot of theory in this book. He doesn't have a lot of like mm-hmm. praxis, say, so to speak. Sure. You know? And one of the examples is he says, uh, that in New York, they in the Diocese of New York, they were trying to, they were trying to deal with an influx of Puerto Rican Catholics in their in their churches. They were trying to figure out how to minister to these people, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. what they did was they were like, well, we need people that speak Spanish in every church now, and so what they did, they went out, they went out into the streets of like Washington Heights, which is a primarily Puerto Rican area, and they said, uh, t- teenagers, if you're if you want to come teach people how to speak Spanish, we'll pay you. And they brought all these kids in and these kids are like teaching adults how to speak Spanish. And it took like three months and every church in the archdiocese had three people in every parish that spoke Spanish. Isn't that crazy? And he's like, he says, he describes what might happen if at a different diocese. And I was like, yeah, 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 you're right. But here's actually like, it's even worse than he described it. He's like, they'd probably bring in an expert and that expert would like hire people and they'd have like a direct, like now they would have like a director of Spanish ministry who would have a BA mm-hmm. in Spanish and that person mm-hmm. would hire a bunch of people to go around giving talks and talk about mm-hmm. basic Spanish conversations. They do an hour at each parish and they'd be pooped. They'd be worked to the bone and no one actually mm-hmm. would ever speak Spanish. Uh, Spanish. And they might also have like a four week synod and they might come out with a document and then they'll send an email out to all the people that are doing work at parishes and those people won't read that email. So <laughs> so his his point is like schooling classic education where you're where you're being instructed and there's a curriculum is not the only way you to just learn. gotta go to the neighborhood you gotta go to the neighborhood where all the kids who are instructed in the western canon are walking around you know smoking cigarettes and be like hey i'll pay you if you teach my kids aristotle and they'll be like fine they flick and they kind of go and <laughs> come in <laughs> teach them yeah and it's like that's that's the thing is like it's a that was a creative solution but the problem is you need a creative solution you can't to every problem to this problem you can't just like you can't just say like oh we're just gonna that that solution won't work for everyone but i think one of the and the another another practical point he was like we should have like a a computer program where you type in a book that you want to read a discuss about and then you get matched up with people in your area that want to talk about that same book and i was like dude (laughs) 
there's so many nice. books now <laughs> and are. areas are very far you know like mm-hmm. it's not um it's not feasible i i just i just don't i just don't know i think yeah it's in, it's an interesting it's an interesting problem he brings up he hates school he decries he hates school more than the military and the police and this book was written during the vietnam war i think school's pretty bad yeah Honestly, I mean, I I don't I don't maybe think it's as bad as the police or the military. Especially I think especially back own. then, as we've as we this book seen was written after the Kent week. State shooting. Like, come on, gosh, gosh. So, but I, if you just think about the way that most students viewed school, treated school, and understood school. So you, I, I, the way I see it is it's divisible into two categories. Okay. The first category, which was kind of the, the group that I was in was people who care about school and who generally like learning, but understand that they need to get good grades so that they can go to college and get a degree to be productive members of society. Right. There's this underlying, nobody's going to biology for the sake of biology. Nobody's. Nobody's going to chemistry for the sake of chemistry. Everybody understands that they need to take STEM classes so they can get good scholarships so that they can go to college and study whatever they want to study and ultimately make $100,000 sure. yeah. a year. That's, that's, what everybody, that's what everybody in that camp wanted to do. Everybody else, that was maybe 10% uh-huh. of the school. Everybody else went because they had to and, and did as much as they wanted. And because there were so much um, leniency and leeway, like I was in those AP classes and everything, but if you weren't in the AP classes, not that you could just completely goof off and do whatever, but I feel like a lot of my friends just kind of goof off mm-hmm. and did whatever and got like C's and D's and B's and and they went to college and they, I mean, they didn't get the scholarships, but they, you know, got loans and they still had the same college experience got to take yeah. the same classes we had to, we had to create a got the same job weighted gpa so that we could take into account that some people are trying yeah <laughs> yes and 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 the the everybody and like again you have the same kind of division in in college as well it's the people who say you know this is this is an investment right like they treat school like or college like yeah. an investment and i'm going to invest my time i'm gonna treat it like a job i'm gonna work hard and some people did that i was not one of those people and then you have, I, I would say there's three categories in college. And the second category, which is like, I'm here for the social experience and to get a degree, you know, a little bit of both. Some people are just there for the social experience and then don't really think about the degree until their senior year um, or their fifth year or their sixth year now, more and more commonly. Um, but even then, it's like, what, what is this really accomplishing? Like is you, at no point in any of those were anybody is anybody in those categories concerned with the education of their person? <laughs> yeah. So it's just like liberalism breeds more liberalism. School breeds more school. It used to be you just needed a high school diploma. Now you need a college d- degree. I don't think everybody needs a master's, but people are saying more and more often you need people a master's. Are, uh, th- this he gives an interesting statistic in this book. He says the average college student in America ha- more money has been spent on his education than the average person in the world will make in five lifetimes, which is uh, bonkers. That's crazy. Bonkers. Yeah. 
but and, and the thing is, is that the education isn't even no, that it's good. Not. It doesn't matter. It where obviously you go. doesn't work. People still think JFK Jr. is alive. I don't think knowledge of facts is an indication of, of a good or <laughs> no, bad. No, but it's like education. it's like it, the education isn't good because it like there's 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 a very faulty like critical thinking problem in our country. It's uh-huh. a huge issue. Yes. Not even critical thinking, but just human formation. Yes, a baseline or an understanding of Oh, JFK Jr. died in a plane crash. Did you know that? Okay, no, so JFK Jr. Know. like died in a plane crash and it was a huge news story, but some people honestly It's like a conspiracy theory. Yeah, some that people he's honestly alive. believe that he's still okay. alive and he's like secretly the vice president. It's hilarious. Okay, that's Right, why. that's what I meant. Is this on your conspiracy theory podcast? Yeah. Okay, that's good. You have to tell Sorry, me this yeah, yeah. I don't listen. There's just a problem of not even knowing where to go. Like there's this association of of just learning with school and people hated school because it sucked and it was dark and, and they got bullied fluorescent lighting. <laughs> they got bullied. Fluorescent lighting hurts their eyes. They were made to feel stupid every day because they were forced to take courses in things that they didn't have any kind of aptitude towards. And there was no, everything was taught to the middle of the bell curve. So there's no, uh, And there's not enough teachers, so there's no ability to give students exactly what they need. So a lot of people just didn't like school because they weren't treated like Mm -hmm. a human person. And so there's this association of learning or reading with schooling. And so people just don't even know, like, let's say I'm trying to make sense of this Afghanistan situation. Let's say I'm trying to make sense of the coronavirus. Let's say I'm trying to make sense of X, Y, or Z. Now I'm interested in biology, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's there's there's no connection to the human tradition, culture. We've removed all all anything that has to do with like where you are, right? Like you could go across the country for school because it's the better mm-hmm. deal. Um, but there's no sense of local culture along with that school. That's why I love K State so much, is because there is that. Right? There's a lot of kids from Western Kansas that go to K State, and it makes it more like this has to do with this place, you know, and it makes it less liberal. And that's something to be said uh, for schools like that. It's why there's this weird thing about college football is because there is still this kind of like tie to the place, you know, which liberalism tries to destroy. Cause one of the things it wants you to get rid of is your attachment to yeah. places. And that's completely gone it, with, you, uh, with pro football. Yeah. The oh, idea totally. was like, the idea is totally. like, you know, Oh, like, you know, Colorado, it's, it's hard to play up there cause they're used to the high altitude, but you're not, but it's like they ship in someone from, you know, Florida and they're just like, <gasps> you know, mm-hmm. that's what they're like. That's what yeah, I was. That was like me that. in Colorado. It was very high. I was eight. I was, uh, I was mile high in the sky, man. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I don't really know if I have a point because this isn't really, it's just so big. I'm dancing. Don't look at me. I'm not looking at you. It's hard not to be focused. My my conviction with all of this is because we've been Don't kind of all over the place. We talk about school. We talk about liberalism in general. Yeah. My my conviction with all of this is like I want to find the right way to live. You know, mm-hmm. like I want to find. I want to find the right way to live. I don't want to. I don't want to live the way that people tell me to because it's the way you're supposed to. That's why I sold the TV, you know, cause it's like, Oh, you just have it. You just have, you're supposed to have a TV, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. 
Well, people who don't have any authority to tell you how to live. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to live the way that... I want to find out the right way to live. And sometimes you can find that out by listening to authority. <laughs> uh, that, yeah. I, think that's, I think that's important. But what I meant was, is like, I don't want, I don't want to fall into the default way of the modern way of living. I, like people, when mm-hmm. I was getting married, I'm sure you got this too, or maybe you didn't, but people were like, oh, don't get married. Like live your life, you know, but it's like, this is my life. What? I don't stop yeah. living right before I get married. You know, it's not like, it's not like I, they like uh, you may kiss the bride and then I kiss her and then we just both like die, like game end, Boom, you know? dead. And so I, I don't want to, oh, you're too young for this. You're too young for that. You're too young to get married. You're too young, et cetera. That, that's something that, it's a chorus that I hear all the time. And I'm just like, okay, I believed that for a while, like at least implicitly or in the back of my head. But what if it actually, what if this is actually a better way to live? What if it is? I want to, I want to find that out. I want to like, I want to find the right, that I knew it was going to fall. I want to find the right way to live. I don't want to, I don't want to live default anymore. You know, I don't want to live on default. Yeah. This is my last point, and then we can do Dark. Oh gosh, <laughs> so late, so late. What? Oh, do we? Oh, do we have to get? Do we have to cancel? No, the we don't. But I can. We can do a Doctor Ethan Zeta Corner. I'll just pull it up now. We'll do it quick. Uh, I was just gonna say, this is why we need culture. I learned a lot from my parents about how to, you know, uh, work hard and how to. I mean, they gave me the Catholic faith, which is not to be discounted, but as far as a particular way of living in a community long-standing ancestral traditions like what culture has traditionally always meant like we didn't really get any of that because we got american culture which is intentionally devoid of uh ancestry and tradition and uh any attachments to families or it's meant to go as far as possible which means it degrades in quality we talked about this last week Yes, we did talk about this last week, right? It's, and it elevates the individual above everyone. Like, you're an individual consumer, and that's your culture. You like SpongeBob. You like Fairly Odd Parents. You guys can't be friends <laughs> because you, you, you consume different things, and that's, like, that's what defines you. And it's not our parents' fault. It's just, like, Gen X doesn't have culture. Yeah. You know? Baby boomers barely maybe had some culture. I mean, everything just kind of fell apart. Uh, they had sock hops and soda fountains. Yeah, and at least there was something. Like, there was something. And so I think it's up to us and our families when we're having children is we have to reclaim of it as much of it as we can, but also we kind of have to acknowledge, like, there's not much to reclaim because there's a 100-year gap between me and genuine American culture, like American Catholic culture in where I live. Like, it just doesn't exist anymore. And so I have to kind of create it and make it up as much as I can and just try to hand it on to my kids as best as possible by doing things like homeschooling, by doing things like uh, not having a TV in Mm -hmm. your house, by doing the, like that's, that's going to be the way that we give at least the next, like we're kind of in this in between where it's like, which way Western man. Yeah. And we just have to pick the way that's going to lead to the flourishing of our, of our kids, you know, and, not to just maintaining in the words of a wise Twitter mom society should be ordered to what is best for babies. It's fact. That's my next article in America media, baby. That's what I'm doing. Speaking of babies, let's do the Dr. Ethan's (laughs) dating corner. Uh, I know it hurts. All right. You came to the right place. You ding dong. (laughs) It's called communication, baby. 
this one comes from a good friend of ours named... Who sponsored? Oh, Dr. gosh, I always forget. All right. Welcome to Dr. Ruth and Zeta Corner, sponsored by Catholic Match. Uh, you can go Woo-hoo! to catholicmatch.com slash crunch to get your three dating profile. It's free regardless, but if you go to our link, they'll know that we sent you. And if you want to submit your own question to Dr. Ruth and Zeta Corner, follow at Catholic Match on Instagram. Ethan, are Instagram. you ready for this? I'm so okay. pumped. I'm scrubbed in. I'm ready to go. I've been a dating app for a few years. What? I've been on a dating app, she must have meant. I've been there on a dating know. app. Hi, t- hi, Tinder. Thanks How's for writing in. <laughs> Delete yourself. <laughs> I've been a dating app for a few years. I always keep my dating app updated. I think I'm a relatively relatable person, but I am always wondered if my height might be a deal breaker for guys. I am six foot three. How much does height matter to guys? Do guys find their masculinity in their height? I'm 6'3 and in my mid-20s. I notice I get more views than conversations on my dating profile, which could be how it goes, but I don't know. I had an instance when a guy started a conversation by saying, if we went dancing, would you sweep me off my feet? And then he put a little, like, holding his chin emoji. He's like, if what? we went dancing, would you sweep me off my feet? As opposed to... He was 5'6 uh-huh. and seemed decent. <laughs> but that message alone mm-hmm. was upsetting, so I did not respond. I don't really like my nice. physical features becoming a joke, especially if we aren't close. I don't understand that approach. Uh, my friend, it's called negging. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what that is. He was trying to uh, insult you and get you to be codependent. Not so, co- Ethan, does... Is that, is that the uh, whole question? Do, do guys find... How much does height matter to guys? Do guys find their masculinity in their height? Uh, is this from a no. listener? Okay. Man, hard, right? It's hard. I mean, I think I've seen tall go- girls date short guys. Not a problem. If is that person gonna make you a saint? Is that person does do they love you? Do they love the Lord? Do they love themselves? Are they gonna neg you? <laughs> um, you gotta answer those questions. I physical features are uh, important in a relationship, but like. Not because really. like you have a body and like yeah that's yeah. how you identify like that's my it's, husband that's not my husband it, right it's okay to be attracted to certain things um it's okay to not be attracted to other things i i think if you're six three and you're a woman there's probably a guy who wants to ask you out but maybe he's scared because of the height thing so you might have to take the first step if you feel like a guy likes you you know you might go flirt mm-hmm. with him a little bit but generally, if a guy likes you, he'll ask you out regardless of if you're taller than him or not. And if you are, you're okay with it. He's okay with it. I don't think it matters much. I think the guys who let it affect their masculine view of themselves are the guys who are just not very masculine to begin with. Yeah, I agree. You know? That's kind of... Humble, your, humble yourself, men. Date a, date a date tall a woman. Date a tall girl. Like on Netflix's tall girl. Carry uh, around yes. a milk crate. Like, much like much like Moe's in uh, Ned's, Declassified. Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide, when a short girl said, how's the weather up there? And then she was destroyed for the rest of the episode. That's really funny, because that's actually definitely something that would happen to a middle schooler. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if, if Ned Bigby <laughs> could get with Moe's, I think... I, I think you're good. That. I think you I think got it. You'll find if you could if you could land a guy as good as Ned Bigby, 
you're going to be sitting pretty. That's so, that's so weird that he said that. That's so dumb. There's probably whoever, whoever wrote this question. There's probably some Susie Crabgrass in your life. Taking away all the nits. <laughs> you got to cut Susie Crabgrass. Out and we say life. America Wait, doesn't gonna, have a culture. <laughs> who are you looking for? You're looking for a Billy Loomer. You know, he's a bully. He might be your height, but you don't or want Seth to Evergreen. Loomer. What was his name? Uh, the basketball boy. Oh gosh. I don't remember his name. Who he was always spinning yeah. basketball. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, I don't remember his name. That's declassified. Seth Powers. Seth Powers. Seth Powers, ladies and gentlemen. Be looking for a Seth Powers. Be looking for a Seth Powers. Man, it's so funny because uh, nowadays everyone is a basketball boy. That's all I got. I don't really have much on height. Anyone Emma remember is, Mr. Emma's 5'7". I'm 5'9 and a half. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, you guys yeah. are pretty close. Yeah. Anyone remember Mr. Comover from Ned's Declassified? Yeah, he had a German accent. <laughs> yeah, and he grew his beard out to comb over his over, head. Over, yes. That's crazy. That's and what mine looks like. Then there was the workshop uh, teacher, and then there was the, the nurse, and then there was the vice principal. Um, there was I don't think there was a principal. There was just the vice principal. And then there was Gordy. The beloved janitor, the weasel. The guy who played Cosmo from Fairly Cosmo, Hunter. yes. Talented voice actor. And Timmy's dad. Love that show. Alright, that's all. I we gotta go. I gotta get back to work. Wait, wait, one more Ned's declassified character. Come on, one more. Right. One more, one more. You want one to name more. one more? We got we got uh we got Cookie. Cookie, we got uh, we got coconut head. Coconut head, <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> Man, that was a good show. Uh, and Timmy Toot Toot, don't forget Timmy Toot Toot. toot Vice toot. Principal Krubs, that's what it was. Vice Principal Krubs, a lot Vice of great names. Principal Krubs. There's Lisa. Oh, this is this is the podcast is over. We we're done. Do you have anything else for the people? We have to end the show. Oh shoot, sorry. Uh, Anyway, um, watch my new show, Patrick's Declassified, Liberalism Survival Guide, on Wednesdays on Teen Nick. Teen Nick. Splat. Thank you all for listening. (laughs) Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you. We'll see you all next week.